Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. When the news broke that Benedict XVI's personal papers were being burned by Archbishop Georg Ganswein, allegedly at Benedict's orders, the most common opinion I saw expressed in my comment section was that you hoped that either Ganswein or someone else saved copies of those writings. Well, as it turns out, at least one letter that will be of great interest to the lay faithful who are actually paying attention was saved. But it wasn't in his personal collection that George Gonsfein was handling. A European journalist had a copy of a letter that Benedict ordered him to not be made public until his death. The journalist is still hesitating to make it public, but he did speak on its contents in an interview. And I have the English translations of what he said in the letter for you today. And when he actually publishes that letter, I will cover it for you. In short, Benedict said we live in the time of Antichrist. Not that the Antichrist is here already, as some are reporting, walking among us, but that we live in the time of Antichrist. His statement is read by the journalist in continuity with other statements Benedict XVI made on the man of sin. And he, along with Rod Dreher, put together an interesting look at Benedict's words on the Antichrist. So we're going to take a look at that together today because I know you're going to find this interesting. Now, the journalist is uh, Mr. Yaroslav. He's Slovakian, and he's asked about his interviewer about why he didn't publish the letter after Benedict died and how it contained information critical to the church. Here's the journalist's response, quote, Yes, it is like that. The letter is not long. It has 12 lines. In the second half of the letter, there is a sentence, about three lines long, in which the Pope Emeritus makes some striking claims. The sentence reads as follows, quote, we see how the power of the Antichrist is expanding, and we can only pray that the Lord will give us strong shepherds who will defend his church in this hour of need from the power of evil. Concepts such as the expansion of the Antichrist's power, the church in its hour of need, and the need to defend the church from the power of evil are serious and weighty. All the more so because they were uttered by a person in whose expression throughout his life accuracy was combined with the appropriateness of the terms used. He delivered serious public messages, even as Pope, but these formulations are several degrees more urgent. The situation of the world and the church troubled the Pope Emeritus very much. He was obviously suffering from it. I think about it very often, but I do not dare to interpret or interpret his statements. I would consider that presumptuous at this point. I'm just a Christian, former politician, and I don't feel competent. As a politician, I adhered to the magisterium of the Catholic Church and did not back down in any fight. However, I rarely comment on the Church and only on details. To express some fundamental judgments about its state in general requires both a person who is a better example of Christian virtues and a more theologically sophisticated one. It's a job for saints. End quote. Hence his hesitancy. Now, according to Benedict XVI, the Antichrist will be, will be seen as a humanist. He will speak in the language of the world and use its terms and definitions for justice, for fairness, and he will then apply the world's standards of the true, the good, the beautiful, and all those concepts to seemingly unsolvable problems, and then he'll solve them. 
That is what Benedict believed, and it's definitely in keeping with what the church believes about the man of sin. And his interviewer reiterates that belief, but then he goes on and notes something that almost everyone who at least didn't hate Benedict, if not loved him like many of you do, have noticed. Now, with Benedict's passing, something has changed. Mr. Jaroslav describes, describes it as an end of an epic. We're entering a new era, and at least part of that new era is an end to meaningful resistance to this humanism that is free from Christ, a humanism opposed to the real gospel that takes the gospel and twists it for its own purposes. So here's from the interview, quote, I note with a smile that politicians, even, a for, even former ones, do not usually use this term, humanism, but when you insist it, the Antichrist, could be someone with extraordinary influence who pretends to be more merciful than Christ. I will only say what everyone else sees anyway, that the epic begins with enormous tension in the political and spiritual spheres. Therefore, there is considerable uncertainty in connection with Benedict's legacy for Christians, but not only for them. Four principles come to mind as we enter this epic, this new era. The first is that there are things you can never back down on, and trying to avoid fighting for them is a grave mistake. In Slovak politics, I witnessed this very mistake of many Christians. The second is that one must examine one's motives and humbly start from oneself, not immediately think of one's neighbor as the culprit. And the third, Benedict XVI, he emphasized so many times that faith and reason complement each other. You also have to stick to your mind. And finally, that you need to pray for strong shepherds who can defend the church from the power of evil. End quote. That latter is going to be essentially critical. Not only the self-reflection and examining your own motives, but that latter will be. When the man of sin arrives, the church will be driven underground. The mass and the sacraments will be all but impossible to get for most of the faithful. Scripture, the fathers of the church, and the teachings of the magisterium are pretty clear on that much. Prayers for shepherds with the fortitude to do what they need to do in those times and in our age is essential. It is critical. That's why you must pray for priests, even the ones you don't like, especially since far too many shepherds just go along to get along with the authorities of the world, not challenging them on the things that they say and that they do. In fact, all too often, those shepherds are not shepherds at all. They are wolves due to their complicity with the powers of the world. Many of them, including the man the world sees as Pope now, are those are among these wolves, aiding the world in subverting the gospel and leading souls to perdition, all in the name of their humanistic ideology. This is what is meant by living in the time of Antichrist. Benedict did not say the Antichrist was here, walking among us. That's what some are reporting, but that's not what he said. But the stage is being set for him. I mean, that should be obvious to anyone watching at this point. Rod Rare, someone whom I'm honestly not a fan of, but at the over at the American Conservative was a writer who put this, who made this known to us outside of Slovakia. He put Mr. Haroslav's words about Benedict's letter together with some things Benedict said in the past about the Antichrist, and it's fascinating. Here he recounts what Peter Sewald in his authoritative biography on Benedict said about how a young Joseph Ratzinger had a meteoric rise in the church and how Benedict saw the role of the church 
in this coming age of the Antichrist. And this explains a lot, actually. And it shows that Benedict was thinking about this all the way back in the 50s. Quote, It was because of the way the world's youngest theology professor held lectures. The students listened attentively. There was an unprecedented freshness, a new approach to tradition, combined with a reflection and a language which in this form had not been heard before. Ratzinger was seen as the new, hopeful star in the sky of theology. His lectures were taken down and distributed thousands of times throughout Germany. Yet his university career almost failed. The reason for this was a critical essay from 1958 entitled The New Pagans and the Church. Ratzinger had learned from the bad guys in, from the bad guys in World War II era the institution alone is of no use if there are not also the people who support it. The task was not to connect with the world, but to revitalize the faith from within. In his essay, the then 31-year-old noted, The appearance of the Church of modern times is essentially determined by the fact that in a completely new way she has become and still becoming more and more the Church of pagans, pagans who still call themselves Christians, but who in truth have become pagans, end quote. That, where's the lie? This revitalizing the faith from within, this refreshing new take on tradition is why Ratzinger is viewed with some suspicion, if not open hostility, by some traditionalists. He has said things on the record, in public, in his books, that, ha that some have said are heretical. Look, in the future, authorities of the church will make final rulings on all of that once they investigate this dark era of church history, once we get past this Bergolian era. I will leave those debates to those more interested in them, but Ratzinger was not wrong when he talked about the mere existence of the institution of the visible church not being enough to stop this evil he saw in the world from coming to power. You need saints in that visible church to make it work. The church needs brave men and women praying for good shepherds who will stand up against this evil, be willing to lay down everything against it, and not be complicit in what they do. He believed he saw it in his youth in Germany, and he saw it coming again in the future, this complicity. That puts a new light on his request when he became Pope about praying that he would not flee for fear of the wolves. He clearly saw that those wolves that he warned about back in 1958 almost 50 years before that speech, were in the hierarchy of the church in 2005. Dreher then engages in some interesting speculation about why Benedict resigned. He admits that he doesn't know if this is true or not, and I don't know either, but this may shed some light on Benedict's reasoning behind his actions that led us to where we are now in the church. I want you, I want you to let me know what you think about this statement that follows here, please. Let me know in the comments after you hear it. Quote, I'm wondering this morning whether or not Benedict XVI believed it was his mission to purify the church before the end by allowing the mystery of iniquity to reveal itself fully. No, I'm not saying Francis is the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be a political leader. I'm saying that the forces rapidly reshaping the West by destroying what's left of its Christianity, even within the Catholic Church, are the forces that will ultimately draw history to its close. I think it is possible, this is speculation, that the gentle Benedict at last conceived of his mission as Pope, as drawing out evil, in allowing perdition to do its very best, so it can ultimately be defeated. 
the Anglican Bishop N.T. Wright wrote in his simple book about Revelation that this is the apocalyptic scenario that the final book of the Bible puts forth. That only after evil has done its very worst and the demon has exposed itself fully, can it be destroyed once and for all. I want to make myself clear. I'm not saying this is what happened and is happening. I'm saying it's a possibility. End quote. Dreher presents that by referencing Benedict's analysis of Tychonius, an ancient philosopher. I presented one Benny Plenist view on Benedict and Tychonius some months ago. Many of you saw that video. That went, that, a lot more people watched that than I expected. And Dreher is essentially repeating what they said. Benedict basically may have seen himself having a role in Catholic prophecy. I will remind you that it was Benedict the 16th as Cardinal Ratzinger, who gave the approval for Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich as a mystic of the church. John Paul II beatified her in late 2004 with then Cardinal Ratzinger's approval after examining everything about her, absolutely including her mysticism. And if you've been following those episodes of mine that I present on Sundays about once a month over the past year, and will be continuing in 2023, you can see the prophetic nature of her work. I should have the next installment of her visions Sunday of this, this uh, next week for those interested. And channel patrons will have access to it this coming Wednesday, by the way. But I'm curious, does this insight into Benedict's views of the Antichrist, along with his numerous statements about the dictatorship of relativism, shed any light on both his resignation from the papacy, the state of the church today, and... Frankly, what looks like an acceleration of evil in the world since his resignation in early 2013. I'm not the only one who's noticed that things have gotten stranger progressively, darker, and more evil in the world since his resignation. Perhaps it's a coincidence. Or perhaps those things are inseparably linked. I'm curious what you think about that, though, so let me know in the comments where you stand on that question. And please like and subscribe if you haven't it does help as a sharing this on social media that helps a lot too as always pray for the church i'm anthony stein ave maria